We're back. As you know, this is the measure of an episode. Our continuing mission is to explore what makes a Star Trek episode a proper Star Trek episode and not just quality or crappy TV. And the way we do that is we have three criteria. The first criteria being some sort of expression of science fiction in the plot. The second criteria being some sort of expression of morality within the plot. Yes, and we're, we're three episodes in. Well, kind of four, as you will find out in just a moment. And we still have yet to determine what that third criteria is. You probably never will. <laughs> if you want to write in, please write in and tell us what you think it should be, but we don't know. So just, yeah, yeah. let us know. Until a better one comes along, we'll we'll keep using something. We're always going to look out for the bigger, better criteria. <laughs> the BBC, that's right. <laughs> Wait, isn't... Oh, that's, that's, that's two things. One of them is grossly inappropriate. Anyway, um, so... <laughs> I know, British television. <laughs> <laughs> Have you watched it? It's the, uh, yeah, so it's, dry. No one ever laughs. Like, it's... Ugh. It's terrible. Seriously. It's like it's just people talking in a room for 45 minutes, not doing anything. <laughs> Who would write an episode like that? Completely unrelated. We watched Favor the Bold, which was episode five of season six of DS9. And we got to the end and we realized that it was a two-parter. So we also watched Sacrificing of Angels, which is episode six of season six of DS9. So if you have been watching and you'd like to join us, we will pause while you go watch that or... If you were able to piece it together on your own when you saw To Be Continued and you were like, you know what? Every time that it's been a To Be Continued, they've watched the second one, so I should probably do that too. Then you're all caught up and you don't need to go watch it. Do you think that our listeners have that much presence presence of thought? <laughs> I think our audience is smarter than what the Star Trek audience thinks they are. <laughs> well, let's hope so. Because <laughs> you're not just a plant watching a television, which is what um, which oh, is no? what the DS9 writers – yeah, or no, what what – what the writers think their watchership, watchership, viewership, viewership. Yeah. What they think their viewership is. It's just a plant, a ficus watching a television show. And so they need ficuses to... don't have brains. And so they, they would need everything explained to them. <laughs> ficuses are idiots. Did you not? I feel like this is not landing. <laughs> my, my metaphor is not landing at all. I, I guess, I, I mean, I, I guess I've never really thought about the IQ quotient, uh, the intelligence quotient of, Ficas. Okay, well, I, I suppose we should try and get in. The, the problem is that there's not. Usually, I have something to say about every scene in right. a Star Trek episode, right? Right. Whether it's yes, you do. Whether yeah, it's usually but, it's usually how much you hated it. Like there, there's it's on, on a scale of one to ten. There's, <laughs> <laughs> but I have nothing to say. I mean, we could go through the plot, but nothing. I mean, yes, I suppose stuff happens, but it's this very slowly paced, lightly intrigue. Uh, or light intrigue where they're all kind of building up to something. And granted, we're still, even though this is the beginning of a two-parter, this is in the kind of smack dab in the middle of a grander arc. Arc, But I don't know, the DS9 has been occupied by the Dominion and Cisco is not, I mean, Cisco spends most of this episode, if not all of this episode, in a 10 by 10 room looking at a screen that may or may not have anything, be relevant, showing things that are relevant to what he's talking about. Right. We're watching Deep Space Nine, you know, and like the, the episode starts on Deep Space Nine and then it goes to Cisco and he's talking about like this plan that he's going to put into action and the the cold open ends with him saying, we're going to take back Deep Space Nine. And I was like, what? What is happening? <laughs> like, I am so out of the loop. And like that, that drew me in. Um, and it also had, at least I thought you were, you were going to like be stoked about the, the opening because it threw us right into a battle. And, you know, we thought that like um, the, the Defiant was 
barely on life support. And then it turned out to just be the decoy to get out, get rid of some Dominion ships. Like, yeah, it was cool. I was, I mean, it gave, it gave their, it gave the opening some momentum, which they immediately just kill. Like they drown it in a bag <laughs> because they just go to another room. It's like, oh, we've been called back. We have to retreat now. And they even comment on it. What we're supposed to invade, retreat, invade, retreat. You know, they, 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 the chief talks about that. Right. And it's just boring. Like, why can't you have a whole episode where they're trying to clandestinely kind of make their way toward, toward Deep Space Nine, where there's actually some intrigue going on. They're having to hide and, you know, like hide and seek a little bit, but they don't do that. All they do is there's just sort of a back and forth. I mean, the only intrigue in this episode is when Jake and Quark and Kira sneak a text message in, in a ribbon to Cisco, right? Yeah. And, and that's, that's basically it. I mean, we learned that Rom is going to be Rom is going to be executed, and so Quark wants to save his brother, right, by enslaving his wife, and also, <laughs> yep, uh, and, I, and, that's and, true. And, but, but then, but then, nothing fun happens with that either. And this has been my complaint about DS Nine from since the beginning is that I don't know, like there's I mean, there's no there's no science fiction in this whole show. Zero. Other than what's just previously there, like sh- yes, they're on a ship, and yes, they're aliens, but that's it. Yeah, there there wasn't anything science fiction in this episode other than like what what they were talking about, which obviously, you know, you there there wasn't anything seen. Um, but Ron was talking about like the the replicating minefields, which, you know, is awesomely science fiction. It's just fiction. a minefield. Well, it's just minefield. They they put a replicating in front of it. Right, it's like what do they talk about? Endorian ale or Akarat? <laughs> well, Soufflé. right, but I mean, think think about it. like it's it's a minefield where you blow up the bombs and the bombs come back. Like that's not that's not a thing. Yeah, I, but we didn't see that were part of that were part of the episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the one so the the one super interesting thing that happens in this episode, uh, I would say the most interesting thing that's ever happened in D Space Nine is when Odo sleeps with his mom. Yeah, that was for th- for, that was a th- for thing. three days. Three days. <laughs> for three days. <laughs> I didn't think about that part. Like, I just figured he was locked in the room with her, and he lost all concept of time. I didn't think about the fact that <laughs> it was well, all of the above. Yeah, right? like everything yeah. was happening. Yeah, and um, I I love I love the guard that just heard them. You know. <laughs> yeah, and the mom gets kind of jealous, Akira. And so she like immediately goes out and says, well, we need to capture them and, and, <laughs> and execute her immediately. She's my only competition with my son. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, that's his mom, right? Like, I mean, not, not in, in a specific, like a traditional sense, but she's totally more maternal than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. Like it's not a, it's not a, so because we're dealing with an alien liquid race, it's hard to say. Like, it's not a biological thing because it very clearly is. They're all coming from the same goop. But, like, yeah, like she, I, right, I'm, you're right. Like, there's, <laughs> there's no way around it. Right. Maybe it's his grandmother, you know, um, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, regardless, she is a I'll maternal caretaker of her, of him. And, like, they, they are. If if you want to call it genetically fine, but like they are genetically connected, like I, I don't think it's genetics, but whatever you would call it, they are directly connected to each other. Like she's yes. constantly saying, like you are part of us, you are part of the what's it called the the link. Um, and so yeah, like they 
I mean, she's just trying to learn about the human culture and like solids and all that kind of thing. But still, like Odo should have kind of been like, uh, yeah, this is a thing that they do with people they're not related to. <laughs> um, there oh, are no. literally billions of videos from 400 years ago that we could pull up like and show you how this works. We don't. And none of them are related. I mean, there is, they, they pretend to be related, right. strangely, but they're not actually related. Well, maybe that's how it started. You know, she's like, well, that's clearly his mother. <laughs> no, they're, maybe they're... Odo was like, can you pretend to be my mom? <laughs> I've always wanted to do that. Pretend to be my mom! <laughs> Kira never does that for me. <laughs> Which, again, I mean, we're we're kind of jumping ahead to the two-parter, but... Does she say that she doesn't know yet? Or was it still like, was it still phrased in a way that we couldn't tell if they'd been together yet? I can't, I have no idea. Okay. I have okay. no clue. Yeah. It's like to Paul and Chip. Right. Like, I have no idea. Uh, um, so in, uh, you're right. I mean, the, this first, this first part was basically all set up. Like you, you, you talking about the battle, like, yes, that does happen in a later episode, literally the next one. Um, but in, in this episode kind of, I mean, as we go on in this podcast, I was thinking about it when I discovered this, like we, we are going to run into more and more like crazy coincidences about like the fact that something is referenced to a previous episode. Um, but the fact that we have, I think this is our fifth DS9 episode, maybe our fourth. Um, Mm -hmm. there is one other time that Cisco shows passion about Bajor and all of their, um, and the planet and like their, the, the inhabitants. And that's in the first part of the search, which is the season three opener, which we've also watched and analyzed. Well, that whole scene with his command, with Cisco's whatever lieutenant or whoever that person was, I think, I think he's introduced earlier that we didn't see. There's that whole scene where Ben is trying to get a reaction by telling him he's moving to Bajor and the other guy just won't give it to him. And even there's a moment where the guy's like, okay, you're moving to Bajor. Got it. <laughs> Moving right. on. Right. Right. Like, but that's, yeah, that's why I brought that up because like the, those are the two times in the whole series where he actually is like that passionate about Bajor. And of the two times in the seven seasons, we have already seen both of those times. That's crazy. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> so uh, another another point for the random generator, right? Random episode generator. Yeah. I mean, eventually it'll just be kind of like, hey, that's from a previous episode where we analyzed. But the fact that, like, we're five in and 40% of them have been about or have had moments where Cisco is talking about his, his love for Bajor and those are literally the only two times, like, in the whole series. Like, that's a pretty amazing coincidence yeah, there. That is pretty That is pretty amazing, actually. So, Out of, you know, every, every, I think every season has 170 plus <laughs> episodes. Right. So, I mean, we're looking at 1,190 episodes in this series and we've seen both of them. Two out of 1,190. That's amazing. Can you tell how much we don't want to talk about this episode? Right. I, I just think you're right. I think that like the first part really was just set up to the second part. I mean, one of the things that I did like about this episode, which I will say is there there were like three or four plots being set up and having it split between two two episodes really allowed them to build those things up i mean there wasn't a whole lot of payoff in this first episode but there was there was getting rom out of jail there was taking back ds9 there was 
uh, and consequently fighting back the Dominion from entering the wormhole. There was, um, I mean, I guess the whole uh, Zial thing, and I, th- I feel like there was another one as well. Uh, oh, the, I mean, it was it was just briefly touched on. Like, they didn't go into any great detail about it, um, and I think it would have been cool to have a scene with it, but um, Worf going to, to- go talk to Gowron uh, about getting the, the Klingons back. Like, there were, there were a lot of, um, what's it called, in the fryer? There were a lot of... Pans? Uh, Is cooks? it pans? Cooks in the fryer? <laughs> I think it's I think it's cooks in the fryer. <laughs> yeah, because usually that's what we do. We're, that, that's why it's called fry cooks. <laughs> um, but yeah, there were there were a lot of balls being juggled. Irons in the fire. There we go. Yes, there were a lot of irons in the fire that were that were being stoked and getting ready to be paid off in the next episode. Um, but ultimately, other than like, you could have jumped in on the part two. And watched the previously on, and you wouldn't have needed to watch this episode. There wasn't anything, and you still would have been bored. I mean, the thing (laughs) is, it wasn't it wasn't a a tightly woven intrigue. It was just we're going to give you this information, and then you're going to go and do it, and then you're going to show up when the script needs you to. Right? Nothing. Nothing was dependent upon anything else. Really, it was just a lot of Quark has to know now. Go figure out a way to rescue his brother, and then that kind of pays off. Kind of, and then. Uh, Worf has to go. I mean, this was you know there there were two Deus Ex Machina type of type of moments in this in these two episodes, right? Where the first one being when uh, the Kling no three rather well I don't know two and a half. Odo rescues Kira, the Klingons rescue the fleet, and the prophets rescue the Alpha Quadrant. <laughs> I guess you could, you could argue. <laughs> so so Odo rescuing Kira. I mean he he. That's, I don't. Yeah, they yeah. set that up. That's that's okay. Well, I will allow that. And the and the Klingons as well. Like, um, Cisco said earlier, like the the Klingons won't be here in time, and you know, and then like, and they weren't, but they they showed up later to to help. So like, I that that was set up earlier on. Uh, yeah, I I get it, but but I but yes, but. There's there's setting something up to pay off in a cathartic way versus just mentioning something at the beginning of an episode and then bringing that back at the end of the episode and saying, well, we set this up because we mentioned it earlier. And so therefore, all those boxes are checked. You know what I mean, like it was one scene where they say it's going to be really hard to go talk to the Klingons, but I believe in you and we're going to go do it. And then they disappear for the whole two episodes or one up, whatever, however long they're gone. And then they finally show up. Right. It wasn't it wasn't this amazing thing where. We thought they were going to do it. We never see them trying. Like it would have been interesting to see uh, Worf trying to convince Kalis or whoever he is and failing, and them him being all dejected and being like, "Well, my friends are going to die." And Kalis is like, uh, "Well, that's their fate. Then sorry, I'm not going to go do it." And then he shows up with them, right? Like that would have been at least something. But we don't see any of it. They just talk about it in one scene, and then they pay it off in the next scene. It's just not. I don't know. It, it, I didn't care. So when they when they showed up, I didn't feel like it was a Deus Ex Machina. I was like, oh, cool. Like I didn't think that they were going to make it, and here they are. Um, they because they they did mention them several times, but you're right. Like that scene definitely would have cemented it even more. But I feel like DS Nine is your Voyager. Like DS Nine is to you what Voyager is to me, and so you have a harder time. You you don't give it as much leniency as you do voyager for sure yeah i'm pretty hard on it <laughs> yeah and <laughs> for whatever reason like i feel like you know they each episode has to be amazing for you to be like yeah it was all right 
Well, I have very high standards, okay? <laughs> On DS9, like Voyager, you're like, did you see that Captain Proton episode? Oh, classic, <laughs> instantly. <laughs> we don't talk about the Captain Proton episodes, okay? <laughs> we like to think they happen on DS9. <laughs> Clearly, they were ordered to do that by Cisco. <laughs> and to speak to your third Deus Ex Machina, Machina about like the prophets just, just showing up. Um, mm-hmm. So apparently that was a huge criticism on the episode at the time. And the the writer of it, uh, who's who did a lot of DS9, Iris Even Bear, um, he he said, I felt it was the perfect next step in the evolution of the relationship between Cisco and the Prophets that began in the pilot. Hearing people refer to it as some dopey Deus Ex Machina is really annoying because I would think they'd give us more credit for being on the ball. We didn't have to end it like that. We chose to end it like that because we wanted to say that there was something going on here, and ultimately that would lead to our finding out that Cisco is part Prophet. They wouldn't have done this for just anyone. This was the man going out into the wilderness and demanding God to interfere, to do something for crying out loud. The corporeal characters had done so much in the episode. Surely they'd earned the help of the gods. Um, and then Ronald D. Moore said, The intervention of the prophets was something we discussed at length during the development of the six-episode arc, which I didn't mention which to talk about. The Cisco prophets, the Cisco slash prophets story is something we consider to be a key element of the series itself. To us, the finale of Sacrifice of the Angels was something that came organically out of the overall story of DS9, and that's why we did it. The journey that Cisco has made from emissary to sacrifice is a profound one. He's gone from a man who questioned the very existence of the prophets to asking them to behave like gods and save their children down on Bajor. There will be a price exacted from Cisco for daring to bring the prophets into this conflict, and we'll play that out as the series continues. So, What sacrifice did he make? Uh, or has that not happened yet? Right. Well, they they said there the there was a price, and the price was that he would he would never be able to settle on Bajor. And he was like, "What does that mean? You know, or he'll always be restless when it comes to Bajor or something like that." Okay. Um. So seems like an okay. Considering you have access to the entire universe for places to live, not a not a terrible, except Bajor, except one planet. Right. Not a bad sacrifice. Right. Right. I mean, unless you like, you have a a home that you want to move into and it's available and you can move in, but for some reason you're, you're not allowed to like every time you try something prevents you from doing so. Like, I feel like that would be, I guess in the grand scheme scheme of things like mildly annoying, but every time it came up, like it would just be more and more (laughs) frustrating that this opportunity is available and you can't take it. Yeah. But it's not like, Oh, you can't live here. And that's that it's like, we can save billions if not trillions, if not quadrillions of people. But you can't live here. Like, all right, that's annoying, but I'll take it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, uh, the way the series ends, we find out that there's a lot more to that restlessness than they they lead on here. But I don't know if you remember or not. Um, I don't remember. Cool. We'll have to get to that. Right. Later. Yeah, that'll be cool. But I just want to know. So, I mean, what's the what's the morality? What's the tale of morality here? Um, right. Or even just the 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 peripheral morality that's happening in this episode i i I could not find any really ducat does in kind of a roundabout way where he's got his love for his daughter versus his love for the cardassian empire yeah yeah i mean i i guess i would i would say that i would say that there was there was definitely an issue with with ducat like it was one of the main characters of the episode particularly the second part and he he had to he had to resolve within himself the fact that his daughter was helping the Rebel Alliance. 
the Rebel Alliance. Oh, can we talk about Star Wars now? <laughs> please, please, please. Um, Kira and Odo and Quark and Rom and all of them, like they were what, the terrorists. They were, I mean, they were called terrorists. There we go. Yeah, she was helping the terrorists. Um, and he had like he had to reconcile it within himself that he his daughter who he believed had Cardassia in her and he wanted her to be Cardassian, but she was helping the terrorists and, you know, and like at the end he finally found her and he let her go. And she was like, thank you. I love you. And he finally like got that appreciation from her that he was so desperately craving only to have her die. So like, I would say, I would say that the moral, the moral dilemma in, in this was, you know, how do you, how do you reconcile it within yourself that this person you love is fighting for the people you hate? I, I felt that that would have been more poignant had Ducat killed her himself. I understood why the other guy did it, but I, I felt that that would have been a little bit better underlined that he is a Cardassian first and a father second. I mean, he was basically trying to turn his daughter into something that she wasn't to, by making her a Cardassian. And he fails. And she just, at the end of they have that scene that just came out of nowhere where she's like, I love you, dad. You know, all that's, I can never be mad at you anymore. I know you killed all my friends, but you know, I just, I, <laughs> I just love you. What can I say? You're my dad. You're my dad. And he's like, you're right. I, you know, and then they're like, are they going to start making out here? Like, is this going to be the second like, <laughs> time this happened? And, and it was just, it was a little too much. Like if I was the director, be like, eh, let's back it off. Just right. one notch. But it came out of nowhere because she should be super mad. There's no reason for for uh, Ducat to have redeemed himself. He does nothing. He loses. He just flat out, he sacrifices nothing. Right. And she's going to leave him. She's like, I'm one of these people. And he's kind of okay. I, I actually thought that's what was going to happen. I knew she was going to die. I remembered her dying for some reason right. from having seen it in high school. I was like, oh, he's going to kill her. At least that makes sense. But he does not kill her. Yeah, I th- I, th- I thought he was going to too, but I I definitely was okay with the way it went um because in you know, instead of him being Cardassian first and a father second, like he remember he didn't raise her and he didn't really know about her until later on and now he's trying to be a good father. Um and he realized that being a father for at least for him almost was more important than being a Cardassian and it was more important that he keep that relationship alive with her than to have her um, face the consequences for her actions uh, for being a terrorist, uh, which, you know, put <laughs> put that way seems a little less understanding. Um, I felt like it was a really great turning moment for Ducat, and then it was intentionally taken away from him for him to to go even even deeper and darker. Like that was that was his one saving grace. Um, and the point of potential redemption, and it was ripped away from him. Yeah, I, I just didn't. I, there, he had no sacrifice. He didn't earn. There was nothing earned or lost for him. I mean, he lost the war or whatever, the battle. He lost Deep Space Nine. Po- that wasn't even because of his own hubris. He was going to win had it not been for the prophets intervening. There was nothing. He just lost kind of unfairly. Right. <laughs> right? Um, and. And so, so he, I don't know. I, I felt like it wasn't cathartic. 
I didn't right. believe it. And I, I thought that he was going to turn around and kill his lieutenant guy. Too. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I was, well, the guy ran away. I think that he would have, I was, I was expecting it. But then when he ran away, I was like, all right, well, I, w- I, I tried to find it. And I don't know if he, if he comes back, like if there's any punishment to him for that, for that action. Yeah. He did. He needed, he needed comeuppance. And, I, and the only comeuppance that, that Ducat gets is, I guess he goes mad. Right. And that's the end of that. I don't know. It it didn't it did not resonate with me. I, I, I wanted there to be I wanted them to take a step further in their darkness, right? In in the dark plot a little bit. And I suppose maybe I'm expecting too much from a nineteen nineties show. Um <laughs> No, I mean it, it does get pretty dark as it goes on. So then I wonder I wonder if this episode would have had more weight if we did watch it in order. So we did see his relationship with Zial um develop over over those few episodes where she was in it i mean we get a little bit of a microcosm in in what has been going on right um, he you know, she she has friends who are not cardassian she is she is separating herself from the cardassian way he really wants her to be that in fact i was getting the impression he doesn't really love her he just can't he can't deal with the fact that someone who is related to him isn't like him and doesn't have the same values as him and that's his problem. That's where I thought it was going, right? Right. Yes, he has allegiance to her because she's related to him, but really it's an allegiance to his own ego because no daughter of mine would ever step outside the Cardassian culture. Right. 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 And that's not what happens. You know, like it just doesn't, it didn't make sense to me that all of a sudden she, she professes her love for her dad when she's been mad at him the whole time it, i i couldn't it didn't it didn't hit me right so i mean for for me um i i know somebody who there was there was a time we were talking and um she was so mad at her mom um for for something that her mom did and, and you know her mom did some things that like weren't weren't the best but like through you know she was she was like but she's my mom you know and like no matter what i'm still still going to love her and so I like having having had that like conversation and that like interesting reaction from someone, I I absolutely could see like the fact that all the Cardassians had to like when she realized that the Cardassians were leaving and she was not going to see her dad again, she was kinda like, I I have to find him. I have to tell him. Like now now knowing that like I the the war is continuing and, and she may not see him again, like I've I've gotta tell him that yes, I'm mad, but I still love him. I understand, but it wasn't like it was a bittersweet parting, right? It felt like she was going to go with him. That's what it felt like at the way that she was acting. They were they were like embracing, right, to the to an inappropriate degree, <laughs> and and it it just didn't feel like she. I still love you, Dad, but I you you're a bad person, right? Right? Mm-hmm. Like you don't you don't embrace somebody that you feel that way about, right? You 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 can still love somebody, but just not like them very much. Right. And that's how I felt she was with her dad. That wasn't what was, that wasn't the display that we got. I thought it was a very poignant scene. Um, and you thought it was eye rolling. So not eye rolling just out of nowhere, but, but that's pretty much the end of the episode. And I had no idea that Garrick. Yeah. Garrett. Garrick. Yeah. Uh, that was his girlfriend. Right. Yeah. Not, Um, not brought up at all in these two episodes. It's like, Oh, okay. That's, that's a thing that's happening. I mean that that's not our fault or their fault. I think right. No, no, no. Yeah, it was just yeah. Right. All right. So I mean, we're kind of stretching it 
to to say that this was an episode. Uh, this was a proper Star Trek episode. There was there was the moral quandary of Ducat, and there was the science fiction with like the wormhole and shutting that down and the replicating minefields. Um, then like there was there was some sci-fi element to it. Overall, it was just an espionage episode and kind of a take back episode. I kind of feel like if somebody were to argue adamantly that this was a Star Trek episode and provide points, I'd be like, okay, fine. Um, but if somebody were to say this wasn't a Star Trek episode because like the elements that we just said, like we were kind of stretching to find them, I'd be like, yeah, that's fair too. There was a lot of potential intrigue that could have happened for it being sort of a heist espionage war mm-hmm. thriller type mm-hmm. of thing, or just war psychological war kind of thing. It just n- nothing ever. I suppose Wei Yun could c- is creepy enough to be sort of a a weird, threatening kind of guy, you know. But in a like a calm, threatening kind of way. Like, what's he gonna do? Like, how's he? Where's where's this? His evilness gonna come out? But that doesn't really pay off either. He kind of becomes a, a little bit uh, impotent in terms of what he is going to do, and or just doesn't deliver on his creepiness. Maybe he does later. You know. Oh, he absolutely does later. But no, I thought the the apathy towards the enemy um, when he's talking about Zial's art was fantastically creepy. Yes, and but then he's surprised that when he when he's having that scene where Ducat is is celebrating um, probably too early, and he says, "Aren't aren't you getting ahead of yourself?" Right. And Ducat kind of goes on this whole rant about how you don't defeat them just because they were your enemy; you defeat them to show them that you have power over them and, and for, for their respect. And, and Wei Yun is like, Oh God, I had no idea that you were this nuts. <laughs> right? Right. You make me look like Cisco. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that, that never, like, I felt like, Oh, you just subverted the whole creepiness of this guy. You, you gave him some humanity or at least some sympathy. Well, no, I mean, again, the way I took it was his, his goal was to, like he said, to, to annihilate the, the population. Like he, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want them to realize their mistakes. He wants to win. Like it, it and you know, and, right. and Ducat is basically saying, no, no, no. Like you, the way you win is by making them know you won. Like you can't just kill them. You have to show them everything you did. And I mean, you're right. Unfairly, yeah. that turns around and bites Ducat in the ass. But he let the Defiant go. Like if he had just shot the Defiant when they still had their weapons, then none of this. Which would have they happened. didn't. They they would not have been able to do that. Why? Because so they, I get I get the impression from the episode that they got off one last shot before Rom disables the weapons, and then so the the minefield explodes, and at that point their weapons don't work, and so then the the defiant comes in and goes through the wormhole. Even if he had wanted to kill him, he couldn't have. He didn't know that, so he doesn't get credit for it. Right, but I <laughs> but, think I think the scene was before that when he when they see that the defiant made it through the the front lines. Wayne's like Wayne says destroy him or something and Ducat is like he's flying into his death like why why take him out why now bother? well the the so the defiant sees the the mines go right he sees them explode right so after that they had no weapons right no no, no that and part's they ne- true yeah. they never do yeah but yeah I mean I would I would say yeah I I'm I'm kind of neutral on this episode it's not that I want to abstain I just I feel like the both there is a weak argument to make it a Star Trek episode, and there there is a an argument to to make it not one. I personally don't think that 
it was, or if it was, it was not a very good one. I mean, it was, I, w- I would say, like, uh, for knowing the characters and knowing kind of the, remembering the, vaguely the, the storyline of this series, uh, th- I thought these this two-parter was good, but I don't think that it was proper Star Trek. I felt like it was a proper Deep Space Nine episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's low praise for right? you. I I I felt as though they were hitting their own mark perfectly. I'm going to vote no on it being a proper Star Trek episode. I mean, I suppose I w- I'd be open for uh, arguments to be made, uh, more arguments. Right. Uh, but at this point, I'm, I'm going to vote no. Although there is one thing that I forgot to talk about. So there's a moment where it's in that same scene where uh, Dukat is celebrating mm-hmm. with Wei Yun. And so he, he whips out this this word and he says he he accuses Wayun of being anhedonic yes right and i didn't know what that word meant i was like oh interesting they used a word an unusual word right but the problem with that is you subvert your own effort in using and and putting an unusual word in a star trek episode or any episode of anything by having the next line said by the 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 character immediately Defining that word, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Why bother using an unusual word if you're just going to dumb it down for everybody with the next line that happens in the scene? Mm. I don't know, it kind of bugged me. Right. Because he says, are you accusing me of not being able to feel, you know, it's right, like, right. okay, like you didn't need that. You were, I'm, I'm sure it was a note by somebody that said, you can't use a fancy word because people aren't going to know what it means. As so there's no way to figure out what a word means, <laughs> right? Even in the 90s, we had dictionaries. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, they were all the way in the other room, and you had to flip through the pages. Like, you couldn't call 411. <laughs> 411? Right. Well, and the thing, too, is, like, the dialogue doesn't have to be that dumbed down. You know, he, like, he could have said, you're anhedonic, and he could say, no, I find pleasure in many things. Yeah, there's, there's ways around it. Yeah. There's ways around just not having the person define it for you. Right. All right. Um, I mean, you're kind of falling on no. I'm kind of falling on eh. If you want to say it is, I won't argue. <laughs> I do like I. I the more I, the more that I talked about it, I do think that the Ducat did have that moral quandary. I just don't think that there was enough sci-fi integral to the plot to yeah. to justify it being a Star Trek episode. Two episodes down, <laughs> Deep Space Nine. Right. I know that was that was one thousand seven hundred and whatever you said more to go for just for the season. <laughs> Right. 1,183 now, I think. (laughs) Two down. For just this season? No, no, no. That's 168 for this season. Um, You can find our Patreon on our Facebook page, our Twitter page, our Squarespace page. Or in the show notes. The show notes. the show notes. Yep. Yeah. It's all available in the comments below. Speaking of comments, there aren't any yet. So, if you would like to leave a review... (laughs) Um, please do so. If you have any thoughts that you would like to say about our episodes, you think they're great, you think they're terrible, you want to hear uh, different episodes, you have questions about things we said, you have comments, go ahead and leave them. Um, it'll, it really, really helps out our podcast. So this time, we don't actually have to find out what we're watching next because Uh-oh. a Patreon, a patron member actually did request an episode. And interesting. He was so nice. He did not pick 
one about Captain Proton or the original series Spock's Brain or anything like that. He picked... I hope it's Voyager. I hope it's Voyager. Next Generation, the two-parter, Chain of Command. Oh, interesting. Do you know which one I love is? this episode. I know. <laughs> which I'm thinking is not a Star Trek episode. I, mean, I don't know. I, I don't remember what happens other than 